This is Tipping the Galaxy with your hosts, Tony Agnello and Stephanie Hoskins. Kick it off. This is a Tipping the Galaxy with Wayne Rogers and Lincoln Allen, Tony Agnello, and Stephanie Hoskins. Wayne, we have some questions for you. Lincoln, we're going to incorporate you today as well. So, Tony, you want to start off with some your your favorite question? Yeah, the, the first question is, uh, who are you? And we'll, we'll start with uh, Lincoln. We'll go youngest to oldest. Cool. I guess I am just a high school student. I'm 15. I'm turning 16 soon. So that's cool, that's interesting. I think I'm I think I'm a person, you know what I'm saying? Like we all are. Like we're all people just trying to do trying to do stuff in life, you know what I'm saying? Trying to achieve things and get to a better point than we were. How much money do you have in your bank account? Do you have a bank account? I do have a bank account. So right now I have I think it's like one seventy in my bank account right now. That's perfect. But seventy thousand dollars. No, no, it's seventy thousand. That's a little <laughs> But um, no, so I'm just kind of just kind of keep building. That's kind of all I can do. And and you're an intern for Stephanie Hoskins, who yes, does good intense marketing. How long have you worked for Stephanie? Um, I've worked for Stephanie for like two, three days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just so um, but it is it's a it's a very good opportunity just because I'm able to learn a lot. Like even sitting at this table with y'all, like I'm taking notes. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm learning a lot as we're doing this. Important people here. All right, Wayne. Yes. Who are you? Wayne Rogers, Check Twice Home Inspections. For about 25 years-ish, uh, I did carpentry and remodeling work. And uh, about five, close to six years ago, my wife talked me into being a home inspector. So that's what I do now. All right, where, where were you uh, originally from? Baltimore, Maryland, like the DC Baltimore area. So I was a union carpenter, union cabinet maker, and union exhibit worker for about 25 years. How old are you now? Forty-nine. Forty-nine. Okay. And you've been in Lakeland for how long? I want to say twelve years. Okay. And then, uh, how many employees do you have? Right now, it's just four of us. It's myself, my wife, my son, and we hired a part-time person in the office to help us out with some stuff. Okay. And then Lincoln, so the next thing is, you've got a podcast with your dad that I just heard about. Can you yes, tell us a little sir. bit about that? So the podcast name is Head, Heart, and Soul. It's pretty much just about, like, as a person in life, like, what are you working towards, right? So it's a self-improvement podcast, and it, we just touch on a lot of topics that we think are important. The, the coined term in it is daily betterment, right? So what are you doing every day to make yourself a better person? You're so far ahead of where I was when I was 15 years old. You know, yeah, he's crazy. an impressive kid. Yeah, no, yeah. thank you. If you want an air conditioning job in a couple of years, gotcha. um, you know, I'll teach you all about business stuff too. So the podcast is about tipping. We're interested in kind of everyone's ideas about tipping, what it means for the individual, what it means for the people that are working in the industry. So I guess the next question would be, have you ever worked in the tipped industry? Have you ever been tipped? For sure. So okay. when I started... As a carpenter's helper, I worked at nights in restaurants, and the deal was I'd work either in the back of the house, and I had a very short time where I worked in the front of the house doing, you know, waiting tables and such. Uh, I didn't enjoy it as much. It wasn't creative. I like to build things with my hands or make things with my hands, you know, culinary arts, carpentry, that sort of thing. So I did that for such a very little time, but I had an appreciation that every time I go out to eat, I make sure that people get paid or tipped well uh, when we got to it, just because I understand that there's folks that they have to deal with, including me, you know, that 
they're demanding and needy and so on, and that's part of how they get paid. Uh, so yes, I have a little appreciation for that. Okay. And then, have you ever worked in the tip industry? Yeah. So I worked with I worked with the wedding company that day, and I still do work with them. Just wedding season is a little off right now; it's a little hot in England. Yeah. Um, so I work with them, and I worked in the back, and I just washed dishes, and they took all the tips and just split them up and divided them between all the people. Do you know if it was evenly divided, or did the mm-hmm. servers make more percentage? No, it was. I believe that it was just evenly divided between everybody that was there and everyone working that day. Okay. Very good, Wayne. Other than, like, say, current day, like, you're in a different season of life than Lincoln. Mm -hmm. And do you think that with age you've become more difficult to serve? And do you... Do you think that... I mean, do you even know me? Of course I'm more difficult to serve. (laughs) (laughs) That was a a loaded question, Stephanie. Um, So the, the honest... So the honest answer is... There's a balance of grace and high expectations. So if we go out to eat somewhere and we have a waitress that is completely incompetent, yet she is super friendly and apologetic over her incompetence, I'm giving her 20, 22%, only because I can tell she's trying. It just is what it is. However, if I have someone who is maybe more seasoned, but it's just neglectful and doesn't do what they're supposed to be doing, I'll still give them a tip, but it's just not going to be as shiny as the the tip that they could have had. If they had just done basic, you know, it's it's part of the, the, the calibration as part of what their job is. Like them serving people is the gratuity. You're grateful to them and the money you're giving to them is being grateful as to why they're serving you. So if they can't do that, then they shouldn't have that part of the gratuity, in my opinion. Have you had a lot of instances thus far where you've been responsible for a tip? Have you given a tip? So I have um, my barber. You know what I'm saying? You always got to give your barber a tip. You do have cooler Um, hair than anybody else here. (laughs) I'm trying to get cooler hair right now. It's kind of a mess. It'll come. It'll come. Um, I think that it's important when giving tips out to people. Like if you're giving the tip to somebody that you like that does good work, like a barber in instance, if you're giving them a tip, you mean that means that you like their work, you like what they're doing, and then when you come back, I feel like they treat you better just because they know you're gonna give the tip. So it's it's interesting like how tips are given. Yeah, I, I think there is. There's a lot of especially if you frequent a place. If you give a good tip, do you expect you know on a return service to to be treated better? And right. and a lot of times. Just selfishly in life, when I treat someone well, whether it's a tip or just being graceful about something that maybe they screwed up on, it's for the next opportunity that I get to do business with them, right? Um, so I think that that um, th- that's a good point. With the barber specifically, like, do you you know how much does your haircut cost? How much do you tip? Haircuts now are like, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's like thirty five for a cut, and then I tip. No, it's like thirty two for a cut for my barber, and it goes like thirty eight, forty. Okay, so I think. What do you do? Yeah. So I tip I tip forty last time I went. So not forty, but eight. So eight bucks. So that's yeah. that's a decent sized tip, and that's something we haven't even discussed. Like barbers, you know, yeah. most people when they think tip, they almost always center on the service industry about food. Um, so a lot of people, will, you know, correlate to the baristas because mm-hmm. I think that everyone's annoyed by the one dollar, one dollar, one dollar with a coffee. And I think that probably the next most obvious thing is that the Ubers, the Uber Eats, and the mm-hmm. Uber deliveries, and the Uber drivers, and, and all the other, you know different types of businesses that are just like that. 
Um, but the barber is something that we really haven't figured out because we're trying to figure out not just kind of what people think about tipping, but also go through industry to industry and kind of see what everyone's expectation is, what we think the the, uh, the foundation for, because you said 20 to 22 percent. I think right now that is. When I was growing up, I know 15 percent was a hard number. And I think now it's 20 to 25. I think people even go up to 30 pretty regularly. So yeah. it's, why did that change? You know, the next question would be, do you believe that the tip says more about you or more about the person that you're tipping? Well, I think I have more questions than answers. Okay. So the thing that what I'm even trying to figure out is if it's conditional or cultural. For example, you just talked about, so if you go to Burger King once a week, every week, and you order the same meal, and someone at a counter serves you your meal. Mm -hmm. That's the same level of service as if you go to Starbucks and get a coffee. There's someone standing there serving. However, you never tip at Burger King, McDonald's, or even the Holy Grail, Chick-fil-A. You never tip there. But when you go to Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts, it's expected, not only is it expected, but at the, the register, there's a queue that comes up at Starbucks. Do you want to give a tip? Mm-hmm. So it's in, it's not just inferred. It's, it's half demanded of you that you put the tip in there or else you look like a bad guy to the person handing you your you know overly expensive coffee. It's exactly yeah. true. We've had you know? this conversation. Yeah, it's, it's awkward almost. And so when you get to that stage of that purchase... Do you feel pressure to tip? Do, do you think it's your responsibility to leave a coffee barista a portion of your purchase? Do I feel... Do you feel obligated? Depends on my mood. <laughs> so, sometimes I feel contrary. And I'm like, I don't... Just being pressured makes me not want to give one. Yeah. Just to be honest. And, and it just depends, you know, it depends on how I'm caught. You know, sometimes I don't want to... I don't want to. So the background of that culture of tipping and um, how that tip came about during that transaction for coffee houses, it there's thought that says that it's from the actual business owners wanting to be able to afford the employee more. And so they, they get that. They, they don't have to pay them as much because there's tips involved now. Mm. And then the question is, do you believe that those tips are being dispersed to the employees? I think that the premise makes sense, which is the same thing as a subcontractor. So if you have an hourly employee, an hourly employee across multiple different types of work, blue collar, white collar, will always watch the clock expecting for the day to be over in order for them to collect money. That's just how it is. If you make it conditional to where your money is depending on how well you serve people, and if you're in the service industry, that's the apex of things that need to be done. So your money is directly related on how well you serve people. Them making it a condition of getting in a smaller amount of salary or hourly wage, and then you have to do what's necessary to get the rest of your money, I think is a great idea in the service industry. I think it's... It's appropriate thing to do. Do they get the money? I would assume that they do. I almost venture that there'll be like fraud involved if they didn't. Yeah. What would be my thoughts? There's been I, I've been looking at blogs and things, but there's arguments that they're not. So I'm just curious mm. what your thoughts are. Yeah, that would be fraud. To follow up to what he just stated about um, that, it should be attached to the transaction in service. Do you agree with that, Tony? I mean, I'm a, I'm a generous 
tipper just because that's kind of my background because I worked in the service industry from age 15 to age 35. So it's difficult for me to ever not give a tip. I, the, the older I get and the farther away from being in the service industry that I've gotten, though, the, the less that I think it's, it's actually a good practice. I kind of like the idea of no tips and just pay the employees more money. And a big portion of that, I think, I think you said you worked in the back of the house, but I worked in restaurants for a long time where you had the kitchens, the, uh, the dishwasher, bussers, uh, hostesses, servers, bartenders. The bartenders and servers make two to two and a half times what the kitchen employees make. And it's not indicative of how hard they're working or how important they are to the restaurant. So I kind of like the idea where, you know, you pay a fair amount for the food. You know, they're, they're this, you know, and, and hopefully everybody's making, let's say, $17 an hour or whatever we think that that restaurant or establishment can afford to pay them with the correct markup on the food. And on the menu, you know, on the menu, you, you know, people are always allowed to give tips, right? But you say that the employees are taken care of and that tips are not necessary. Kind of like, you know, Publix is a weird correlation, but they say don't tip the employees, right? right. But I, I tip just because I feel guilty if I don't, you know what I mean? I, I feel that I'm, I'm in a position in life where... I feel pretty lucky and I feel like, you know, I've earned it, but I also feel like it would be wrong of me to think that I know enough about a person to think that they don't deserve something because I don't know where they're at in life or what they were going through that day. So I kind of, I, I, but I do it more out of the fact that like I'm a person and they're a person. It's less about the, it's less about what I think they're doing and it's more about where just interacting with people to me. And that's where I think that for me, the tip says more about the person tipping and less about the person giving the service. You know, it's almost, you know, universal. And you said that you gave an $8 tip, which is, I think, awesome. But it's also ridiculous because you have $170 in your bank account. Um, but the question that came to mind when you did that, if you had a new barber and he didn't get the haircut exactly right, what do you think you tip on $32? I'm not, I'm not tipping a lot. I can tell you that. Um, See, I would tip $8 again. And that's that's kind of my, yeah. uh, my disease is I'm, I'm always going to try to take care of somebody. So I think that it's... Also, when it comes to tipping is it depends on the service that you're awarded, right? Like I know you said, um, depending on the person, like if they're a nice person and they might just not be doing everything correctly, then it's okay, you're still going to tip. But I think with the it comes with the service, right? So if somebody is giving you like a haircut or something and they're messing up the haircut, it's already part of their job to get paid, Yeah. right? So they're already getting paid and the tip is you going over and above like the minimum payment. Okay. Right. So going over and above, I think you should only go over and above how much you enjoy the service. I, I think that's fair. I think it's completely fair. But it's also, I don't think that it's consistent. I think that a lot of people never, ever tip a barber. I think that happens quite often, especially men. You know, I think that they think that $32 is plenty and hopefully they factor in. And, and I think that uh, a lot of people will just be generous no matter what. And I think Stephanie's probably one of those people, if you go get a haircut, even if you're not happy with them, pretty sure you're probably tipping a 20, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I usually do 25% yeah. regardless because there's a lot, with women's hair anyway and yeah. color, um, there's a lot that may not be the hairstylist issue at the time it could be the the heat the humidity and the, the whole experience so timing and i don't know you build a relationship with your hairstylist i'm sure you have one and like you when you walk in they kind of know what you're used to and um yeah i i am pretty generous when it comes to uh my hairstylist so <laughs> i don't want to go in there and come out looking 
And you want them Wrecked. to like you too because you want yeah. to come back and get the appointment you want. So that's part of it. It was funny that you brought up Chick Fil A because we did kind of like a practice podcast that who knows if we ever release it. But all the kids, because we were doing funny things, right? We were doing Starbucks versus McDonald's because you're right, it's the same service. It's weird. Why do we tip one and not the other? And it's completely the square reader that asks for tips. Um, but I think even before that, the barista was tipped and the McDonald's mm-hmm. was never tipped. But overnight, that thing made they made them a much higher tipped employee. But all the kids said that they would leave a significant tip for Chick-fil-A because they thought of the establishment as a much more high-quality establishment than a McDonald's or Burger King. So even though, like, in their, I think, 12, 12, and 8 were the kids that we asked. But they thought because of the place that they were going that they should leave a tip because it's so great, right? Yeah. Like, so it's a weird idea. Because it's experience. It, because yeah. it's something else that we deal with. You're talking McDonald's to the barista. I think it's much more interesting if you talk about Applebee's to, let's say, um, I don't know the good steakhouses, but let's say the, the fanciest steakhouse in Orlando. You're talking about, or maybe at the casino, they've got some great ones at the mm-hmm. casino, right? Yeah, You're talking council. about a $500 meal mm-hmm. versus a $50 meal, and you're tipping, almost everybody is tipping based on the bill. So say 20%, you're tipping $10 at the 51 at Applebee's, and you're tipping $100 at the steakhouse in the casino. There's not much difference in service other than maybe they dress nicer and you're paying more for the food. And hopefully the food's better, but what did they have to do with the service? So it, it kind of correlates across a lot of industries about kind of the, the setup of the establishment that you're going to about how much you're going to tip. I, I respectfully disagree. Okay. Yeah. I think there is a vast difference from everything from the atmosphere to the attentiveness every aspect of it is different or else you wouldn't pay the difference so like here we'll backtrack even further back so the the thought of tipping people just to tip them i believe creates the monster that we kind of have in our society of you know people are just expecting things they they instead of working for something it's the well you owe me and i think the problem is is that tips should be relevant to service just like all salespeople should be on commission they should not have a base salary so i've over the years of just having passing friends in different industries and there's been plenty of folks that i've seen experiment with putting salespeople on salaries and it's been miserable it's it's been a failure and and the reason why is it it tears away at the fabric of incentive so I think in the service industry in many other industries getting a tip should be part of or getting a commission should be part of what you do because it's the thing that draws people to excellence and they don't look at going well I only make so much so I'm only going to give you so much service if there's always the potential to make more have more be more then that will drive a person to go further in the experience or go further in the service. Now, you'll still have people that are just lackadaisical. They won't do what's basic. But the folks that are trying to achieve, the folks that are trying, it gives them that carrot on a stick, for lack of a better word, to go after those things. That's what I believe to be true. I think there's there's truth to it. Um, I, I honestly don't like commissioned salespeople because I think it leads to a lot of negative um, interactions. But that's neither here nor there. I, I go back to the Applebee's and the, and the, the, the casino steakhouse. I, I've, I've worked at an Applebee's and a casino steakhouse. 
and I was just as good a server at both places. Now I didn't have the ambience of the casino steakhouse when I did it, um, and I, I'm guaranteed there's a lot of people that work at the casino steakhouse, and, and maybe based on appearance, they get the job that don't serve nearly as well as a lot of people that work at Denny's. So the the type of service they get, because because you're saying your tip is almost based purely on the service that you're getting, and I'm having I have a hard time to believe that anyone could tip the same amount on a fifty dollar bill as a five hundred dollar bill, no matter how good the service was. I've never seen it happen. Say that one more time. <clears throat> so regardless of the so regardless of the service that you get, I've never seen someone. So we're saying a five hundred dollar bill is worth a hundred dollars with good service, right? That's twenty percent. You're you're correlating the amount of what is used, like the five hundred dollars. Yep. It is a percentage, but the percentage is only for the service and the establishment you're in, not necessarily the amount of what you've eaten. And you're saying that you're saying that the service is the same across the board, or even or I'm even saying it even, can be. I'm, I'm okay. saying it can it be. It can be. Okay, yeah. I got you. I got you. Well, like at a the differences, and this there's several, but let's just have one. So if you go to a five hundred dollar meal, uh, they very well may shake out your napkin and lay on in your lap for you. They may come after your bread is served and take one of those little scoops and scoop the crumbs off your table for you, so your arms aren't laying in breadcrumbs multitudes of other things that are small minute not great acts of service but just add to the total of your experience so that it's a more enjoyable time I think adds value they also maybe stay in office and they also might get your order wrong and the, the server at Applebee's might be endearing to you they might make you cry because they told you a personal story or they listened to your story they might get your order perfectly right and be spot on with the service. So I, I have a hard time to believe that one has more value than the other. But I'm not going. I'm not going to the $500 establishment to hear some pregnant 15-year-old waitress's story and feel good about giving her a high tip. That's yeah. not. I'm just being honest. That's yeah. not the reality. I'm going to a $500 establishment because I want to experience excellence in the food, I want to experience excellence in the service, and if that is not what happens, then there's going to be a, a confrontation. I'm not going to give a tip at all. I'm going to have the man. I'm going to talk to the manager. The, the expectation is high because that's the experience I'm looking for. If I'm going to Applebee's and I'm taking my family out, we're just having a good time, or cutting up, and whatever the food's going to be, and we have a, a waiter that's a waitress or a waiter that's chatty and fun, sure, or a, a waitress that doesn't do well, but she's roll interactive and apologetic and sure give a great tip that's fine but I'm my expectations of what I want is different from when I go out to get a $50 meal to a $500 meal and the way I qualify the tip is different my expectations are different on how I should be treated in that setting to whether or not someone gets a tip or not I don't disagree with that statement but I, I guess my point is you could go to the $500 meal and you could have fun you, you could describe the service as fine mm -hmm. okay and based on the amount of money that the bill was what's what's your tip going to be for fine oh you're asking me like a percentage I, and it doesn't you, you can go low with it i don't i don't mind it's a scale so the the honest answer is i don't i don't know so if i go to a, a, a restaurant and it's a 500 hundred dollar meal and typically the higher price and the more expectation I have for something and the greater it fails the more disappointment I have and the less I'm willing to give a tip 
I'm saying I'm it, just being honest. Bare, min- bare minimum of expectations. It, it didn't make right. you call the manager off, but your bill's five hundred dollars. You're willing to pay it, but you're probably not looking forward to coming back. Uh, probably like fifteen to twenty percent. Okay, so the, let's even go fifteen percent. Fifteen percent on five hundred dollars. Yeah, I'm not doing math on the air. Seventy-five. Seventy-five. I got a calculator. Okay, so so we just left five yeah. five fine service at seventy-five dollars. Now you get what what you would describe as exceptional service at Applebee's on a fifty-dollar check. What are you leaving for a tip? Twenty percent. Okay, perfect. So ten dollars versus seventy-five dollars. Yeah. For exceptional service versus fine service. Yeah. That's the point I'm trying to make. Is because of the established that you went to, you left sixty-five more dollars. Correct. It, it, to, and that's the interesting thing. And that's McDonald's versus well, Chick-fil-A. Well, well, no, I think there's something you're missing. Okay. If, if I may, is it in order for you to work for the higher establishments, you have to go through a much uh, so steeper. You say, huh? Okay. No, just no, just listen. Okay. Hear me out. Huh? You have to go through a steeper training process, and the. You have to be better calibrated in what you do than what is allowed or allotted for in a lower establishment. Now, if you're there and you're jacked up at the higher establishment, you just won't last long. If you are jacked up and are half functional, you might be at Applebee's for a year. So I don't. I, I think you're. I think in all fair, you're the monies and food you're talking about, but I think you're comparing apples and oranges. They're, they're two different experiences with two different sets of services. Even though it's still food, even though it's still in a restaurant, even though it's still, those are the things that are together, but I think you're conflating the other parts of it, which is the service is at a different caliber and expectation in a $500 restaurant, both by the managerial staff the owners, the um, the front of the house you, operates differently. You expect it to be. I, I, I yeah. agree with all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm just saying that that's not always the case. I, I that, agree with yeah. you on that. So it's not, it's not, because you're in, let, let's go to, because I feel like Lincoln needs to talk, but like, we just, we just tip seven and a half times more to interior service. And that, and that's the point I'm trying to make it. And they they jumped through a lot more hoops to get there. I do agree with that. But it's a significant. It's not. It's not ten percent more. It's not fifty percent more. It's it's seven hundred and fifty percent more than the other server, for inferior service. And that's that's what's interesting to me because because of the establishment that you work in, that there's just a giant difference in what that person makes. I think I've been I've been watching y'all talk about it. I think that it's interesting because when you go to a restaurant that's on a casino, I can see where both of y'all are coming from. Because if you go to a restaurant that is in Miami, right, like the best steak restaurant in Miami, the reputation that it has mm-hmm. is going to be a lot more than Applebee's, mm-hmm. right? So if you go to that restaurant, you're already expecting good service. If you go to Applebee's, people have had a lot better experiences at that steak restaurant than yeah. they've had at Applebee's, yeah. right? You, and you that affects so. your reputation. You hope so, yes. Exactly. Yes. So that's what I'm saying is when you go to a steak restaurant, you're already expecting to tip more. So like you were saying with the, like the expectations is when it gets lower, like you're disappointed. So that affects the tip. And if you go to Applebee's, it's like, cool, it's an amazing server, like they blew me out, but I'm not gonna give them like a whole lot of tip because it's still Applebee's. And I think that's just associated with reputation. I, 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 I'm guilty of everything. I agree, I, I tip the steakhouse more than I tip Applebee's. I'm, I'm in agreement about everything. I just have always been aware that it's not necessarily correct because maybe they deserve more, but is it 750% more? I don't think so. And it's McDonald's versus Starbucks or McDonald's, you know, they're doing basically the same thing. They are serving you a drink, right? 
McDonald's person, do you want cream and sugar in it? Do you want something? And they, they, they put it in your hand and they charge you the amount of money and we tip the barista and I, I love tipping my barista because I love coffee. I tip them a dollar every time, five times a week generally, right? I will, yeah, I'm not saying I've never tipped a McDonald's employee because I'm crazy and I do stuff like that, but like generally I will not leave a tip for a fast food worker. And right. it's not different what the person is doing. And to say that one person is, is, is more valuable because we are determining their value because if McDonald's employees get tipped every time, they are a more valuable person, right? They make more at the end of the year. It's, it's why the steakhouse person might make 150000 a year versus the Applebee's employee that's making $45,000 a year. The other thing that I wouldn't, you know, I'm exaggerating in instance, Applebee's, they serve probably 20 to 25 tables on the night where the steakhouse is serving five or seven because they're, 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 they're right. responsible for much greater service. There's a lot that goes into it. I was cheating a lot just to get the number I wanted. But the point is is because of what we think about the establishment, whether true or not, it creates a giant value difference for the tipped employee. And that's kind of where, you know, like, and it's it's as easy to see as McDonald's and Starbucks, but it's really conflated when you go to like, you know, an Applebee's in a casino steakhouse or or something that's five stars. Um, And I just always thought it was super interesting. And I've taken advantage of it also. Um, Somebody was mentioning experience. I think that you can go anywhere in America and go to McDonald's, yeah. right? So it's like you get, the, you get the same experience every time you go to a different McDonald's, right? But if you go to one steakhouse and it's like a set steakhouse, it's like it's a different experience because there's that one That's your steakhouse. expectation. Exactly. That, that, and, and, and they build that, right? It, it, it's marketing. It, it, it's what it is, right? They build it up because in whether, let's say that they're, they're, they're giving you an awesome steak. I promise you there are steakhouses using the same cuts of steak as Applebee's, and it's sad to say, but it, it exists, right? But they build it up with the menu, with the ambiance, with the, with, with the dressing, with the ties, um, with the dim lights, with the bread, and, then, you know, and they build it up to a value where you're paying $120 for a steak instead of $17.99 for a steak. And it creates all this extra value and expectation in your head, and because of that, we expect and we leave so much more. You know, it's, but it's marketing. It's 100% marketing, and we see value in it. We see tons of value in it because we're willing to, when we go to, to the nice steak, you know, once or twice a year maybe. I don't know how often you guys do it. We're, we're, we're ready to leave that 20% tip on $500. Right. And it's a lot of money, right? We can go get two Applebee's meals for the $100 tip that we just left the steakhouse, you know? Right. But I've always thought that was super interesting, and it, it, was, it, it really explains a lot about why I think the tipping culture is, is so... It's such an interesting nuance of how we see people's values in society because, again, you've got people that are fantastic that work at McDonald's, and you've got, you know, evil is a weird word, but Jordan Peterson uses it, right? You've got evil people that work at the fancy steakhouses, right? And, and, and we see the value in the steakhouse, so we give the person that is pushed up on a pedestal because they work there, you know, significantly more money, even though that person at McDonald's might be way more valuable and, and, and way more worthwhile to give our money to. Mm-hmm. Well, see, I, I don't know if they are. So that's the the difference between people that are successful and people that are just talented okay. is is a huge chasm. Huge chasm. I will watch American Idol, all these other I could care less about the singing, I could care, what I'm trying to understand, like I watched there was a was it a model show or they were they were doing dressmaking or fashion. And I was super curious it was and my wife made fun of me about it, right? She's like, why are you watching this show? And I'll tell you why I was watching the show. Because I'm trying to figure out the selection process. Why are some 
that are doing a great job making these creative pieces, why are they getting kicked off the show while other people are, are staying? And this is what I discovered. I was watching one season of, I don't even remember what it was, the, they were there making dresses and uh, for the runway. Just the runway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and, and, on, and I watched the whole season, and this one girl was a perfect chameleon. She could mimic and make any dress of any style of different artists, you know, fabric artists or whatever the, the proper name is. And halfway through the season, she got cut. And I was like, well, why would they, you know, she's super talented, she blah, blah, blah. The girl that won did pleats. And when I say she did pleats, she did pleats on everything. It's the very first thing, she incorporated a pleat all the way through the whole thing. And the reason why she won is because she incorporated pleats, not because of the pleat, but it showed that she had a signature style that was her own and she was not trying to mimic, simply just mimic other style. She was willing to stand her ground and do what was artistically correct to her styling and her desires and they could get behind that and say that she had both the talent to do it and the vision to stay focused on the path to do it. So the, I know they're like, where's this going? <laughs> so the difference, We're about to come full yeah, circle. <laughs> so the difference between the Applebee's worker and the person working at the $500 restaurant is they may have similar skill sets, but the person at the $500 restaurant has put in extra time for training and shows up more regularly and has a more stable reality to serve better than those that are at Applebee's and Applebee's knows, you know, and we're not trying to, you know, bash on them, but their turnover is high and that's part of the game. So being in an establishment where turnover is high, quality of service and food is going to be eh, because that's what it, that's what it's catering to. That's what you're going to expect. And then you do pay more for something that is, you are paying for that person and you are paying for the service. And, and I don't think that an Applebee's person who is a server in an Applebee's could automatically go to a $500 steakhouse and serve. You can't, I mean, if you want to, we'll do the experiment. I don't think it's going to happen because they have too many, the reason why they're working at Applebee's, they have too many personal problems. They, have too, they can't find reliable transportation. They can't, name the thing. And, oh, it's, and it's going to be an I, issue. I couldn't disagree with that more. I worked at Applebee's for maybe seven years. I worked at the Olive Garden for eight years. And I, I liked it because it's chaos. And I, I work well in chaos. Mm. Um, and I could turn I could turn more tables than anybody else. So where, and it, there, there's not, there wasn't a steakhouse in Lakeland. You know, there's not a, a better place to work, right? So turning over 20 to 25 tables a night and hoping for 20% of $1,000 of over my sales, you know, that's a good night. If I could do that, you know, five days a week, I, I do pretty well that, that, uh, <clears throat> that year. Um, but there are really good servers at those places and really good people at those places that work there for 20, 30 years. I'm not saying that the turnover is not high. Some of what you're saying I think is completely fair, but there are, you take the best five to 10 servers at a lot of those restaurants that we all know, 
they, they could easily go right to the steakhouse and maybe there are five days of training, but there were five to 10 days of training at Applebee's and Olive Garden and we'd have to redo the training every two months. I was a trainer there for a while too. Mm-hmm. So I mean, they, they take it seriously because they know, just like anybody else knows, you can't lose customers. You have to do a good job taking care of customers and, and doing the right thing and upselling, right? You know, upselling the drinks, upselling the appetizers. All those things are important because at the end of the year, Olive Garden wants to make money. So they're constantly trained. They're constantly told how to do mm-hmm. better with sales, how, how to measure things, right? If you're a bartender, you're tested over and over again about how much drinks, a, you know, how many jiggers full of, uh, of alcohol, you know, a Jim Beam gets versus a margarita gets because they don't want to lose money. They do alcohol counts constantly. So I, I think a lot of those same people, and maybe they do progress to the higher end steakhouses, but they're, they're at Applebee's and, and Olive Garden, maybe because it's convenient, it's local to them. But they're completely like legitimate, you know, they can do anything, right? Um, I'm not saying all of them, but but a significant portion of the people that work there are, are very capable human beings. I always thought, and, and maybe maybe you could take this, but I think anytime my kid turns 17, 18, I want to send them to, a, to be a server for two years because I think you learn humility there. Uh, you learn about life. You learn about other people, about perspectives. There's so much to learn there. And on top of that, it's the most trying atmosphere that you'll ever work in. And I think it's more trying in a place that's a little bit more hectic where you turn over a lot of tables than a nicer, fancier place where maybe it's a little bit slower. But I just think that there's a ton to learn there. And I think a lot of people stay there because they just work well in chaos and, and they like to try to control it. You know, it's kind of like a sports game, right? Every, every night you're going for a win. You're going to finish all the tables. You're going to, to cash out at the end of the night and hopefully you made money. There, mm-hmm. there, there is a bells and lights going off in your head when you get a good tip or when you do a good job, you know, when, when you sell the right amount of stuff. So I think there's a lot of value to even the, the medium end places. We're going to take a short break and let Lincoln go because the ride is here. <laughs> Okay, so we took a short break and we were talking about um, just the difference in quality and value and how that equates to tipping. I'd like to ask you, Wayne, a little bit about your economic background. Were you raised um, in a middle class home, low class, upper class? What would you qualify yourself as? Poverty. Yeah. Yep, yep. Same here. What about, Tony, I know we've asked this, but... I think lower middle class and, and, and maybe some poverty sections in there, but, but definitely, you know, we didn't... It was a weird time where I think parents still tried their best to spoil kids, but, you know, they weren't in constant debt, so... I think, I think middle, 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 lower, lower middle class is the, the correct way to phrase it. Yeah, but I mean, comparatively speaking, so, I mean, when I was younger, I can remember being a little bit frustrated, but, like, as I become an adult and realized that poverty here is you know we're in the top one percent of the whole world structure economically i had a roof over my head clothes on my body and food to eat so it's not right it was not what you know in the 1920s and 30s they would have been like oh that's you know you're yeah. High society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> and it's even worse now. Like, it, oh, yeah. you know, like our kids have everything, right? The, yep. You know, which is crazy because it doesn't take a lot of money to have the phone in your hands, which is, it'd be science fiction back then, right? Yeah. Or like Dick Tracy with the old yeah. watch on the phone, mm-hmm. her phone on the watch and talking to people. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think here's, here's a, if you don't mind, the thing that you're talking about, if I understand, Tony, is you're saying you're giving out money as a humanitarian like your your goal is to give people money that you interface with as a way to 
embrace humanity as a way to be loving as a, and, and all those things uh, I think I value it, right? it factors in I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I experience you know the, the efficiency you know how well someone does uh, how personable all that stuff factors in but I definitely like I have a hard time not tipping because I feel like any person is the hero of their own story and whether or not they seem okay to me they're doing the best they can and that's just how I go through life because I feel like if I look the other way it's going to be difficult to deal with difficult situations but if I think everyone's trying their best then, then it's easier for me to kind of get through life and I think there's a spot for that but here's the problem I think if you get false positives or false negatives or if you get a person that does terrible at their job and three or four people on the road tip them well mm-hmm. it creates a false reality in their mind thinking they're doing what they're supposed to be doing and then they become almost embittered if they keep doing what they're doing and they don't get the same reward so I, I in my mind it's a tougher love but I think that people should have a mirror to their face to understand that if you do a piss poor job, it needs to be identified in love, but it should not be rewarded. So like, and that's the point, the, 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 I guess the difference, the, the line that you and I are not crossing or what's on your side is you feel that everybody has a story and everybody has a thing. And, and I can, to a portion, agree to that. But there has to be some discernment, meaning that you can't treat everyone well because it creates an unrealistic playback loop in their mind that makes them think that they're doing well when really there should be some signals going off saying you're doing a terrible job yeah. I, I, I agree with the sentiment the, the, what, what allows me to do that and I think feel good about it is I know that the rest of the world exists right so I'd rather be kind than right but most of the world would rather be right than kind so I'm okay with you know if if I'm if I'm the the bright spot in that person's day I feel good about it I get to sleep better like it, it's it's selfish of me to to want to have that feeling because I know that when I do something good that I get to feel good about it right um, but I know the rest of the world exists and I know that person's doing a piss poor job is probably getting beat up all night long by his manager and by the employees and by getting stiffed and probably has a very difficult time at night probably leads to substance abuse a lot of times um, I just prefer not to be the the, uh, I know that I don't need to say it because I know the rest of the world saying it. So part part of me is selfishly, you know, doing that part because I know that I can sleep better at night because I, because the, because I do okay by me and my own world. And but I do understand that if I was the only person that served that that person ever served a hundred times over every week, it wouldn't be a good uh, indicator of their job and you know and way to kind of continue because I would be giving them the wrong signal constantly. Right, and that, so and that's where the. the I would say the difference is, and and I'm not saying my way is uh, correct. I'm just saying that in value systems, I value someone's ability to do things with excellence for their own growth over a short-term dopamine rush of feeling good about something and getting a reward. So that's that's how I influence people or try to interact with people my goal like people all the time think well weighing your tone or the way you're speaking my goal is never to make someone feel bad but my goal in love is to say hey this is what's going on because if you don't correct it the next person you interface with may not appreciate what you're doing and it's going to cost you personally so i feel like 
I would be costing someone their future gains if I don't help them understand what they're doing in the, in the time being. I like what you're saying, but do you actually, when, when a server is lackluster, do you actually, with the 10% tip or whatever you're giving them, do you actually have that conversation with them? I, I only have conversations if I'm going to reward. Okay. So if I have a, if I have a, a, a server or even, like I even tip, we just had um, guys come to our house and shoot texture and paint. I tip those guys. Somebody brings furniture and delivers from, I give it, and the reason why I'm, I'm giving money to them is saying, hey, I appreciate what you're doing is already hard. You're trying the best you can. Same deal you're talking about. Here's some money. But if I'm going to be corrective, I will give, if I'm going to be corrective, I will give a good tip as a reward if they do what I ask. So let's say we're at a restaurant. I'll give you a for instance. Okay. I say we're at a restaurant and we haven't gotten our drinks. Hey, we haven't gotten our drinks, blah, blah, blah. You know, waiter, waitress comes over, bring his drinks, um, waiting, waiting. Next time we see him, we have to wave him down. Come here, partner. Um, our goal is for you to bring stuff out to the table. That's the reason why we're here. Yeah. I, I don't want to spend time waving you down. I brought my wife out to enjoy an evening for us to have time together eating and for you to service. I don't want to wave you down. I would appreciate it if you service well. If you do, I'm happy to pay you well. Can you do that for me? Okay. And that's something that you've actually- Oh, done? for sure, 100%. Okay. I say, I talk to everybody like this. Okay. I talk to my children like, I talk to everybody like this. Here's my expectations. If you're willing to execute on the ex expectations that I have, I'm happy to help you. Like when my son was younger, he and I had some, some issues and we had this come to Jesus meeting. I said, here's how it's gonna work, son. If you're gonna fight me on things, I'm gonna make your life miserable. Every day, every day. I, and I looked him in the eye, I promise you. However, if you work with me, everything I have is yours. And I'll find things to get so I can give it to you. Okay, I think that makes a lot of sense with the, uh, the kid in the small instance with the server. Right. I, I'm curious. Do you, I mean, have you seen it be effective? Do you? For think, sure. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm, I'm just, because I'm, I'm not being, I'm not being ugly at the end of the cycle. I'm saying in the midst. Listen. I understand you're stressed out. I understand you got all the things going on. I want you to make this table a priority. If you do, I'm not going to stiff you. I'm not going to play games with you. I'm going to pay you well. If you don't, you're not getting a good tip from me. And you think that it's more that you're having an effect on them and less of the squeaky wheel gets the grease? Because I would think, if I heard that story from a server, I would think that they took better care of you because they were afraid that you were going to go to the manager next. Either way. Either way you get the service. It, well, two things happen. Yeah. It's, and it's not just so, it's not a selfish maneuver on my part. My goal is for both of us to benefit. One, I get good service because that was the intention of me going out that night. And two, they have a realization that the person that they're taking care of has expectations and you're not meeting them. So if you're not meeting my expectations, a person, a person of reasonable understanding should walk away from that encounter going, man, maybe I should tighten up. Okay. So, so that's, the, that's the goal. It's not just for me, you know, for me to be the person that goes out and, well, 
well, gee, they're just not doing what I want them to do. No, it's, it's supposed to be a, uh, a mutually beneficial experience. They're supposed to gain some understanding from the interaction of, hey, I'm not matching expectations and maybe I should tighten up or else other customers are going to see me in the same light and I'm not going to make money. Or, man, how come I can't make money? I'm doing it. Oh, well, this guy just told me that I'm not, maybe I need to work on this a little bit. Not everybody's going to have that epiphany. Mm-hmm. But that's the thought. Do you think in that situation you try to observe the, the um, setting around the individual, the server? Like, is it a matter of their lack of um, attention or do you weigh in outside variables such as them possibly having too many tables because there's someone who's called out? Is that, is that something that crosses your brain during that? Yeah, so there's a, I would say that there's a threshold between considering things and making excuses for it. Sure. So, and I think that's the point you're, so most people may cross that threshold in order to be more kind. Yeah, I guess just to be more kind. I think that kind that people can get killed with kindness. I think we so here's here's the bigger the meta picture, right? Is I think that we have generations of people that have been steeped in kindness that are useless. That's just where it's at. I like it. So we should put that in the end. For the heading of the this single podcast. <laughs> so, if you want to know what theories work and how interactions work and don't work, watch what's already been played out. So you got you know everybody wants to you know millennials and their participation trophy, but somebody handed out those participation trophies. It's not the millennials. Yeah, they enabled guilty. it, right? That right. whole the person who's the enabler, disease. the person that's the enabler is the predator in this scenario. So if you're unwilling to engage with people in a way that allows them to grow, you're part of the problem. The reason why we have generations of people on welfare is because the cycle of psychology of how people think is that once someone is granted something over a long period of time that they don't earn, it becomes expected. So if they gave you terrible service and you gave them a high tip and you see them every week, they expect to give you the same amount of service they gave you for that high tip. There's there's no trigger in their brain that says, oh, they tipped me really well. It's, oh, I did such a great job, they tipped me. There's no... You're assuming a story. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm talking psychologically over... The fullness of human reality is that people, people in general, will treat you the way that you expect and accept to be treated. That's just human nature. Like if someone starts acting rude or ugly toward you and you take it, you see them again, they'll act ugly and rude toward you. That's the behavior that they have patterned that you accept. And that's the interface that you're going to have. If on the first time you say, hey, that's not how you're going to talk to me, that disrupts a pattern, and that might mean that they, not, they may not deal with you anymore, or they recalibrate and say, well, I apologize, and they talk to you differently. 
and they won't talk to you this, they won't talk to you rude again. I'm saying that the patterns that you're talking about, I believe, are flawed in psychology of the human mind. If you do well for people, just to do well for people, it does not correlate in people's minds that that good doing should reciprocate in a bigger good doing the next time. Some people in their minds, they correlate it with, I'm so awesome, I got a great tip. I, I, I think that you're being naive to, to what a person thinks that they're doing. I think that a bad server knows that they're a bad server. I, I think that think they so. know they're doing a poor job. I think that almost 100% of the time if someone's doing a poor job, that they know that they're doing a poor job. And I think that if you go out of your way to be kind to them and good, I think, and the other thing, people fluctuate. They have good days and bad days. Sure. It's not the same. So I, I've experienced it many times where I take care of somebody and the next time they see me, maybe they were on a bad day or whatever, but because they remember that it wasn't, I wasn't the guy that, that brought them down that day. I was the guy that brought them up. The next time they see me and maybe they're having a better day, it, it makes a better relationship overall. Sure. Okay. So in the long game that I've experienced, um, kindness, goodness, generosity generally will pay off in, in, at least for me in that specific relationship, because again, I'm doing it for my benefit. I get better service and I might even get benefits from it. I might get, you know, I, I might get a friendship from it. I might get somebody that's talking to me about more things than that. Um, where I'm not doing a transactional relationship anymore, I've made a connection with a human being. So again, I'm playing a long game. It's a different long game than you. Fair enough. Um, but there's 8 billion people on this planet. <laughs> there's a lot of people. So I don't have to spend time with anybody I don't want to spend time with. So if you can't do the basics right, I'm not sure why I want to spend time with you. Even to just know you as a person. So there's plenty of people. There's plenty of people that are drama filled, that are ate up from the ground up, they can't get their life together, and God bless them, I'm willing to help anybody. But there's a difference between, back to it, there's a difference between enabling people and helping people. Helping people is pulling people up out of the mire. Enabling people is getting in the mire with people and saying that they're good. And that's the, that's the big key difference I have with folks. And I think it goes to the core difference in perspective that I have, as I think that the tip says way more about the tipper and way less about the person getting tipped. And I think you think it's the opposite. Yes. Uh, I, I, I do think that just the way I was raised, that the tip is intended to be an indication of service and value combined. Unfortunately, I have a bleeding heart, so I always tip, whether it's bad or not. And I'm embarrassed when it's not a good tip by if I'm with or at dinner with someone and they fail to tip or inadequately in my eyes, I will let that person leave the restaurant or start heading out and throw money on the table because I'm not necessarily trying to reinforce that they're a bad server, but I do think that that is part of their wage, and um, I try to incorporate that into my judgment. Do you think part of you being a generous tipper right now is because you can't be a generous tipper? Yes. How much of it? Because it's always interesting to me, because we, we all have the capacity to tip someone well on a given day. And not everybody does. I always said that if I got a, a decent tip from a single mother versus a, a, an okay tip versus a, a guy that I know to be a millionaire, that single mother tip outweighs the, the millionaire's tip like 10 times over, right, in my, in my head, yeah. right? But 
if you were living paycheck to paycheck or you weren't sure that you were going to be able to make the mortgage payment on time next month, does it change your tip? Or you shouldn't be at the end anyway. You shouldn't be. Yes, we agree. Well, we all, I think we all agree on that. We actually covered that in our last episode that we recorded. And um, I've always said that if I, if I couldn't leave a tip, I shouldn't have been out in the first place. But I have been in that situation and I probably failed to leave a decent tip, but I always tipped whether it's was the 15 or the you know good god it when i was drinking way more in my 20s i was over the top with tipping because i was hammered i will promise you some of the best tips i ever got were people that could not afford them they're they're renting they're not mortgaging because these people don't have houses right they were tipping because it was fun because it was fun because they want and it's a weird thing and it's from 18 to 28 or something like that before you grow up yeah but there is a weird psychology that kids have when they're growing up the first time they have money he's got 172 dollars he's willing to give it's crazy right let's do the math he's willing to give five percent of all the money he has in the world to his barber (laughs) i mean think if you gave five percent of all the money you had in the whole world to somebody for a service it's the the the, how what it changes from from kid to adult and from the different seasons i like that how you phrase that the seasons that we go through in life mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of nuance to it you know yeah um, but i always but think, I, like, I, can i tip this much should i tip this much right it, it's a constant conversation in my head about what you know what's the most beneficial thing i can do for them and for me win-win right yeah yeah we frequent rib house a local you know like breakfast and lunch yeah i love it but our favorite server is gone and we talked about this last episode and and i actually it brought up i was like man i haven't seen her so i I went and visited two days ago and she was so thrilled to see us and it was the best service and decent food not quite like rib house but it was good and we'll go back because of that server do you have any of those types of relationships and do you find yourself being more generous with that server or individual because you've built that relationship and you know that they might be on an off day but you still give them a generous tip because of the person that's a compound question let me simplify it have you created any relationships with people that served you no okay I mean, because you have a relationship, and that's what we're talking about. Yeah. So it's interesting because it's our perspective on tipping, and it maybe it goes more into like who you are, but like, you know, it, it does make sense to me that you don't have a relationship with someone that you frequent their place, and that they're your consistent server. Yeah, I guess the deal is, um, as I go out to eat, I don't mind having a relationship with with anybody that's that's there working. Just like when you know, I'm in probably six to eight homes a day Um, I will chat people up ask them how their day is name the thing right the people that I'm interacting with during the course of a day I don't expect them to go fishing with me Mm -hmm. I don't expect them to uh, go on a hike I don't you know and it's hundreds of people thousands of people a year I think the same way for restaurants you can have a relationship with someone that you cultivate and build a relationship with that's fine a, a wait staff or whoever um, but is that person just there as that part of your life or are they going to fulfill a relationship in the rest of your life and I like people in my life that I can function with holistically so if I have a relationship with someone I want to function with them 
in a multitude of different ways, not just to have a relationship with somebody just because I see them regularly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And maybe that's just, that's me being selfish on my part, is that's how I want my relationships to be structured. So I don't necessarily make ongoing relationships with people that I briefly meet. I want relationships with people over a long period of time on multitudes of levels. So it's just, it's, my, it's the way I function. So it's not a, you know, is somebody worthy because they serve food? My, you know, it's none of that. It doesn't matter what they do or how they do it. It's just how I want people to, again, how I want people to treat me and how I want to interact with people. That's how I want to interact with people. So if I'm at some place and, and I can have a friendship that's, that's deep and know each other's families and, you know, because I want that person, if I, if I have a relationship with someone, I want that person to sit at my table, not just to build a relationship with someone so that they can serve me. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, I think the, the other end of the question that you just asked was the, uh, what's the biggest tip you can ever remember giving? I don't know, probably, it's been, you know, 100 bucks, 200 bucks, something. I mean, I'm, you know, we, like, we've done things as gifts to people that we don't even serve us, or different ministries or whatever. And this is where it's a little different for me. Like, I'll try to be, you know, I'll pray about something and try to be obedient. And uh, I remember one time we had a, a traveling pastor come to my church. I felt like the Lord only gave an exorbitant amount of money that I did not have, and I gave it to him anyway um, because I felt like I needed to be obedient. So giving um, money to a church, though, that's and I, I don't freak. I'm not religious. Maybe that should. Maybe we should have a conversation about who we are about that too. But um, is is that considered like a tip? No, but you're talking about. So you're lump. I'm lumping. I'm conflating. Okay. So maybe to be fair, maybe I shouldn't do that. I'm conflating. In your perspective, you're you're trying to be uh, was it altruistic? Is that the proper word? We're trying to be do good. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. do good. Um, I'm conflating giving with giving in your perspective, giving a tip. So if if that's the case, then yes, yeah, so it's been it's been a bunch. So we and like I said, we we had the um, the guys come over and do the knockdown in our house and paint. I handed both of them fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's. So I don't have an issue, and I don't like to be, uh, I like to be generous. So it's not in the conversation we're having that some people that are listening at home uh, may think. Hopefully, cross our fingers, right? Yeah, Wayne, Wayne is just this guy that's not, I like to be generous. I like to give a lot. Okay. Uh, I like to give in abundance. Uh, but what I don't like is to feel like I'm being taken advantage of or someone is being neglectful or all the other things and then expecting me to do something for them that's kind. And again, that's the difference between all the way back to the beginning of our story is if there's a, a waitress, a server, a person that's having a bad day or the, I can discern that. I can understand the difference. But if there's just someone who just does not do their job well, they shouldn't be rewarded. No, I, I never thought for one second that any anything like going towards cheap. I mean, I think part of the reason we had you on is because we knew how thoughtful you were, mm-hmm. and also because we knew that you weren't going to pull punches, right? You were going to tell us exactly yeah. <laughs> how you felt about what we're talking about, which is what we're looking for, right? Because we're interested, we're interested in some of the formalities of tipping and some of the the cultural biases, but 
what's the psychology, you know, of, of the different individuals that do it and that get tipped, right? You know, what, what they're thinking and why they're doing it. Because um, the, the impetus of this idea is there's no playbook for tipping, right? We all kind of have ideas in our head and they're, and they're cultivated over time and they've changed from 30 years ago to now and it keeps changing. But um, I, I thought it would be really cool to have a book that tells you this is what servers make in these different instances and this is the different percentages, right? And this is, this is why and this is some, some stories about it. Um, but even more interesting, once we got into it, was the psychology about why all these things are. It's perceived value, yeah. and that goes for that goes for everything. So, like the, you know, I like watching documentaries, and there's some guy in Japan that does sushi. There's some old, and he's been doing it for 60 years, and he charges a thousand dollars, whatever it is, a plate. It's ridiculous for for raw. He didn't even cook it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's raw fish and a and a chunk of rice with some wasabi on it. Yeah. But he's charging these high end, and it's, it's it's perceived. I think everything can be boiled down to perceived value. Mm -hmm. So everything from the variable of the restaurant itself to the service, everything is a perceived value. So I think that's why there is such a drastic difference in an Apple phone to a Google phone. To pick five thousand things, and there's one thing that is two percent different at best from the other thing and it costs twice as much. Mm -hmm. I think it's perceived value. And as, as business owners, that's the thing that I'm trying to grasp um, is in, honestly, the nut that I'm trying to crack is how do I create perceived value for people to understand mm -hmm. that I'm not the, I'm purposely not the cheapest guy in town. The service is supposed to be a greater service like what you're talking about it's the most fun puzzle is trying to create the value in, in what we're selling right because we're, we're all salespeople, people which is mm -hmm. I, I never want it to be but that's what I turned out as right like my, my job day to day is selling myself to people so they will buy services off of me and I'm still the face of my company for, for the next whatever and you're obviously your face and you're your face of the, your company but we're trying to create value with with Hopefully doing a good job. And it made all the sense in the world to me that you've talked multiple times about tipping home services because you've got such an appreciation right. for home sure. services where most people are never going to bring up, I tip the electrician or the guy that did my drywall or the furniture movers, you know, because you understand what they go through more than the normal person yeah. understands where, again, I spent 20 years in, in restaurants and serving and I've got horror stories forever. So I, I have all the empathy in the world for someone or what they might be going through on a day-to-day -day basis. I think we should have a horror story episode. A horror story episode. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because I, I think it is important to know, like, what those experiences are that maybe led to a bad ex uh, tipping experience. For that one, too, we need the best stories, too, right? Yeah. Maybe that can be every, every tipping play we bring in here. We get, what is your, try to, and maybe the ones best that we know. Worse. What's the best Thing that ever happened to you? What's the best experience yeah. you ever had? And it would be really cool to hear ten of those in a row, right? You know, that's good. That's good yeah. storytelling, right? We could tell the best ones and the worst ones together. <laughs> That'd be fun. Yeah. So I think we did this last time. Yep. Um, closing question. Oh, do the I don't remember the closing question. Let me ask the question. Okay. I'm asking. Let me ask the closing question. I mean, this is new. We're trying this out. Um, yeah. And I, I think that even putting the opinions on the pocket, like, what do you think about this idea? And do you think that we could do something? else with it or, or what does your mind go because your mind goes a lot of different places um, as far as what 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 should you be looking for in, in the future with this and what should do you think that we should be doing as far as the podcast is concerned yeah we're just trying to make one a week and we're trying to get different people in different industries but but now that you've kind of 
you've experienced. I would say that for sure, anything that's engaging to the zeitgeist or the spirit of the age, things that are relevant to what's on people's minds that they would like to have expanded. So, like, Joe Rogan does a great job. Jordan Peterson does a great All these people that are, for lack of a better word, pillars of thought in our current nation. society, yeah. yeah. Um, what they really do is they tackle topics that everyone's trying to struggle with and expand them like a drawing that you get as a mechanic, you know? has all the pieces laid out and they identify the piece and how one piece interlocks with another piece and why it has a, an ability to turn this cog or wheel or why it has a failure to do so. So that's what I would say. So find things that are like this topic, I think it was great, you know, about tipping. Um, find things that are relatable and that are interesting to people. And if you want to do... I guess the question is, do you want to do something that is geared towards social issues? Do you want to do stuff that's geared towards economics or business? Do you want to do stuff that's geared towards, um, you know, social issues of the day? Like, what would you, what bent would you like to get into in order to obtain an audience? I think the idea, originally at least, and we're, we're completely willing to adapt to whatever comes up, is we bring a bartender in here, a barista in here, we bring a casino dealer in here, we bring an Uber driver in here, and we talk to them and figure out what their perspective is, what their job is like, what they get tipped, how much they earn. Those are all interesting ideas. But I've always known at the base of it, it's the psychology about the, the perceived value. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what you bring, which I, I kind of knew, but the more, the closer we got to that, you know, I was hoping for it, but like, Stephanie and I are similar in the fact that, like, you know, we're one way as far as, you know, we, we, we're almost too generous, right? But I need a consenting opinion, which I think you are, right? <laughs> I heard deep dis dissenting opinion, sorry. I get, um, I get cast as the bad guy in every role of the I, I don't think it's the bad guy. I don't think you're the bad guy. I don't think it's the bad guy at all. It, we, we need a thoughtful dissenting opinion, and I think that you bring that. So, again, I was... Fair enough. Yeah. I'm happy I could provide it. <laughs> well, I, I'm kind of curious if you'd be interested in maybe coming, you know, specific episodes when we bring a casino dealer in. That maybe you've never been to a casino and played poker, but when he says that he makes X amount per year or per shift, you're like, what? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you, you could be the guy saying, like, that doesn't seem right, or, you know, like, that, that perceived value seems well, no, really so well, well, here's a, a funny thing is <laughs> I will never question what someone makes. Okay. So... If you told me that you were a you were a person that cleaned horse crap off the street and you made two hundred thousand dollars a year, my first might be like, "Oh, really?" But then I'm like, "You've got it on lockdown. You figured out how to do what you do and get paid doing what you do well." Mm -hmm. I got I have zero beef with that. My issue is not people getting paid well are getting benefited well, my issue is the gap between competence and reward. Mm -hmm. That's where I get aggravated. If someone is incompetent and they get highly rewarded, that's where my brain starts short-circuiting and getting irritated. Like, so if there's a guy here that does whatever, I don't care what he does, and he gets paid, makes more than me, good for you. You figured it out because you were competent enough 
to, to it, if nothing else, to know how to make yourself marketable and you killed obscurity. People know you, they wanna pay you, good for you. But if people are running a scam or doing something to basically screw over people in order to get paid, that's where I have an issue with. But I think, I don't know if you're gonna be able to get people in from different, if you're gonna get people in from different trades unless they have a depth of knowledge on a multitude of different things. So you need to, you need to I would say you need to vet people to make sure that they have a depth of knowledge in their industry and have a depth of knowledge in lateral industries and or hobbies that you could switch gears back and forth in to pull out of the reservoir of their knowledge in order for them to be an interesting guest. If not, they're just gonna say yes and no answers and you're gonna have a lot of dead air time and you're gonna be doing more trying to drag them across the finish line of a thought than them being able to expand on what it is they think. So that would be my... I don't disagree. Yeah. All right, what's our final question that I can't remember? If money wasn't an object <laughs> <laughs> and you had a $10,000 meal, what would you tip your server? Your Steve Bezos. That's the, I think we should just start saying that so you can kind of imagine that you're bald and you've got all the money that you have. You're bald. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think you're ever going to go bald. Yeah. Um, sure, I tip at least twenty percent, and and it, it, and it doesn't matter if I'm going out to eat ten thousand, twenty thousand dollars, whatever it is. I've already pre-calculated in it that I'm gonna I'm gonna pay well to be there. But money's not a concern. You could change the trajectory of this person's life with your tip. Because you are, I don't know, Mark Cuban. Um, the answer is I would not, and I'll tell you why. Okay. That's what we're looking for. It's exactly yeah. what we're looking for. Yeah, yeah. And this is, this is yeah, what yeah. we're But And I'll tell you why. Because some of the poorest people in this country are folks that have won the lottery. So if you bestow upon someone great wealth or greatness without the ability for them to manage it, they will lose it quickly and it may very well destroy them. And that circles right back around to why you don't tip people who do badly and know that they're being a bad server because you're it's it's a sense of destruction. It's my opinion. And like I said, and I know that you guys are doing things to be kind and, and I appreciate that. Um, and this is something like my wife and I, and this is the reason why my wife is a lot like you guys. <laughs> So she's, she's very kind and loving and takes care of you and super sweet, you know, and we balance each other out because there has to be, there has to be conflict. There has to be correct. Some of it is therapeutic. There has to be things that are difficult or, you know, just like a, a butterfly where it changes from a, a caterpillar to a butterfly as it's in a chrysalis, right? People have picked apart the chrysalis so that the butterfly could come out and when it does it can't fly because it, it didn't strengthen its structure to push against the outer walls of the chrysalis so were they helping or were they hurting so that that's the that's a perspective that i have i agree it's a fine line i i the a dating app based on your, your tipping methods might be fun a dating <laughs> app. <laughs> <laughs> you can match up people based on yeah. how they tip. All right, well, you're... Okay. You got to be more balanced. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, well, 
thank you so much. I think yeah. that we... This has been Tipping the Galaxy with Tony Agnello and Stephanie Hoskins, featuring Wayne Rogers and Lincoln Allen. 